this show, I act as a mirror to get the wisdom reflected from a host of very smart, intelligent people who have a lot to contribute to the society and enrich our knowledge in various dimensions. If we could understand more, if we could dwell more deeper into your subconscious mind, it could help us tremendously to progress in our life and do things which were beyond the realms of normal reality. It is this absolute unknown feature called your subconscious mind, which is creating trouble. But to shed a lot more light on all these things, we have with us a very intelligent speaker. I have the pleasure today to introduce and the privilege to say so that one of the youngest person that I met who's been conferred a honorary PhD by the governor of Rajasthan at a very young age. At the age of 20, he had written a book on body, mind and soul. The Mobilis Code, an absolute prodigy, is used in various facets of brain. He's a practitioner of tarot card reading, crystal balls, pendulum drowsing, psychometry, automatic writing. And he's blessed to be born a clairvoyant, a certified numerologist, a graphologist, and a face reader. He's also into aura reading. He's into mind reading, telepathy, telekinesis, spirit communication, makaba healing, tantra, and astrovastru. And we're gone trying to figure out how is it that he has done that? What is it that one can do? And how can it help us grow? And overall, perform in this lifetime, have a great pathway in this life, and how we can communicate with God and with our subconscious. I welcome Dr. Madhusudan Malani as to how you started your journey in life. How did it become so natural to you? And where did it, how did you get into the book? So uh, if we call, uh, if I call myself or uh, the family, we are blessed to be born with a divine spoon. You know, it's not more of a silver or gold spoon, but a divine spoon because we are being blessed by our Gurudev who has uh, guided us, you know, at every juncture. And I feel that uh, a guru plays a very important role in uh, guiding our life and our philosophy. So when we come to the guru aspect, uh, let's, you know, maybe talk about that as well. So people might think that, you know, I don't have a guru now, what can I do about it? So it is mainly uh, in, even in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Krishna has mentioned that uh, Krishna Mande Jagat Guru. That means Krishna is the guru of all gurus. What is Krishna? Krishna is nothing but your consciousness, your subconscious mind. So let that guide you. Listen to that subconscious, you know, uh, that becomes your guru. Your own self becomes your guru. That's what even Adi Shankaracharya was asked when he was on his trip to Himalayas, that who is your guru? Because usually uh, at, at those times, only people having gurus were allowed to meditate on Himalayas, Himalayan mountains. And Adi Shankaracharya said, I am Aham Brahmasmi. I am my own guru or I am my own God. And that's when that was a new age of realization, a new age of understanding that we ourselves can also be our guru and we can be God ourselves. Uh, primarily, when we uh, begin with uh, my journey of uh, spirituality, it uh, dates back to my childhood, where my parents tell me that uh, I used to just, uh, you know, there was never a time when they woke uh, me up. And uh, I always used to get up at 6 a.m. Uh, by default, and uh, be at school, be it a Sunday, or and just observe the ants, observe the birds, observe cars on the street. And I think that observation... Uh, gets us uh, deeper into understanding the subconscious mind. I think that that's where it began. How about your book? What made you write this book? And what is it that you're trying to tell the world with your book? The relation between body, mind and soul. The book dates back uh, last year, as you rightly mentioned. So I was in the Himalayan mountains uh, for around 10 days. 
and uh, was uh, right in the meditation zone. And then uh, once I, uh, I came back, I, I ended up writing this book in a matter of three days, you know, because it just flow, uh, flowed through me. I mean, I, I didn't have the rational uh, mind to, you know, funnel out what is required and what is not required. So the, the main purpose of writing the book was mainly to make people understand their true self. So if, when I say, uh, you know, when we try to impress, it's more of the ego eye. That is, uh, you know, the outer eye. And when we try to express ourselves, it is more of the true self, and which was, uh, you know, which is what the story or these mythologies are trying to teach us. That is, you know, ultimately the gateway to the true self. And, uh, you know, my small attempt with the book was uh, in that direction. What is what is corporate karma that you were trying to mention? All right. So uh, everyone's aware of uh, the concept of karma, you know, and they say that. Uh, so basically, uh, what I realize in due process is that uh, mainly our failures or, uh, you know, our incapacities are put on, uh, you know, tagged on, say, karma that, you know, it didn't happen because it was meant to be this way. And, uh, you know, karma is one thing that uh, affects, uh, you know, it's, it's the rational judgment that we give ourselves all the time. So then I realized that, uh, you know, just to have a more of a, on the corporate aspect that there are so many people involved, you know, in a company and you have created an identity that doesn't uh, really exist. So all of them have gotten together, the, the consciousness of each individual becomes a collective consciousness and gives rise to an identity, uh, you know, which is a third person. So how does that karma work? That, that was my initial uh, thought when I sat into my meditation. And then I realized, I've even mentioned that in my book, uh, I was reminded of uh, Steve Jobs. So when uh, you all might be aware that Steve Jobs had uh, come to India and he was into the meditation and uh, more about understanding himself. So, uh, and you know, he leaves the success of uh, the company Apple to that. So what made Apple really successful? So if you realize deeply, uh, Steve Jobs creatively used the five senses in the so-called Apple. So when we uh, look at the, the first product that was the, uh, you know, the Apple pod, uh, it was iPod as we call it. It was basically for music. Now music is something that soothes the ear. Then you have the creative touch screen on that, which is basically the sense of feeling. Then you have, uh, you know, uh, you ha you've covered your music, then you have the beautiful looks of, uh, you know, the stainless steel frame and uh, stuff like that, which instantly attracts your eyes. So that is the vision that is clear. Now, then he realized that how can I integrate the smell and the taste? So he named it Apple, which, you know, has the taste bud aspect of it. And the first iPhone, all uh, the AirPod had a flower as the wallpaper, which induces the sense of smell. So once we integrate these five senses into our corporate, our karma of the corporate starts increasing to the benefit of, uh, you know, the third entity, because how do we create karma? We create karma through our five senses. Now, when you talk about uh, the subconscious mind, it, uh, how does that work? You know, you call it destiny or you call it karma. It is basically that in one fraction of second, your subconscious mind through your five senses, records one crore, 10 lakh pieces of data. And in one second, we just consciously, uh, you know, have access to 40 pieces of that data. So the rest bit is stored as absolute, uh, you know, it's, it's non-accessible, but it is there. 
so your so once you have a you know a more understanding about using your five senses and more awareness about the five senses of you know that they are creating something that is uh, a food for the subconscious mind and you're more conscious of these activities then uh, you know your karma becomes favorable your life becomes favorable and all these uh, various things that, that the subconscious mind is being programmed to do happens uh, that way you used a lot of psychological terms have you taken psychology as majors in your undergrad career you know very interesting you have these powers but to even name them properly so well uh, you read you've been reading all these books from a long time so uh, you know in today's day and age i i, I don't think you know degrees or something really matters because the information is available everywhere but uh, if you ask me specifically then uh, when it comes to the scriptural aspect of many of these things when it comes to stories or understanding these have come to me on on their own just as like how i uh, wrote the book in 3 days there were many sanskrit terms like i haven't studied sanskrit at all but the book has a lot of sanskrit terms that came up on their own but what how you know it's it's not that it comes to me it comes to each one of us but what we do is we put the logical mind there and try to filter it that no 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 this word how can it come to us this this doesn't exist you know we don't even try to find it in the dictionary we just leave it but what if that word does exist and you know once you have that filter out of you universe flows through you that is called universal knowledge that is called uh, say consciousness or that is called what do you say atmagyanas or any of those fancy words that uh, people use so you mean to say you didn't know sanskrit you're not studied sanskrit but suddenly when you came from himalayas there is an overpowering understanding in your life which makes you write and script down a book in 3 days so do you give it an extra energy from somewhere else or is it an enlightening of your own self is there a third power that you're talking about so our ancient uh, ancestors as i call them they used such symbols to explain core concepts that remain as sanatan satya that means eternal truth that which cannot be eradicated with language because language is something which changes after every two or three generations for example in today's time there is no very few people who speak pure hindi most of the hindi that we speak is mixture of english and hindi so there is no pure hindi that is uh, available similarly the sanskrit language was a language at one era which is now completely diminished so it is like you know there are a new sanskrit terms but the original ones are very restricted to very small people and you know very uh, few uh, people really understand that so if our ancestors depended on literary work they would never be able to transfer the immense knowledge that they have in their lifetime to the future generation so they use basic symbols like brahma for the mind vishnu for the body shiva for the soul now how did i get that through mere observation there was nothing that is uh, you know like if even if we are just a bit aware of you know why we do certain things then we can have this understanding deeper puja and the devotion and whatever the aarti the whatever that we do what is it yeah. the ritual whatever ritual that we are trained to so uh, basically uh, we have uh, in uh, you know in any philosophy there is this three types of yoga the karma yoga the bhakti yoga or the gyan yoga so primarily when we enter into any temple uh, you see the deity of the god uh have you ever re- realized that the eyes of the god are bigger than you know it's very disproportional it's like maybe like you know bigger than your lips which is not is so found in the human aspect 
so that uh, is basically an indication of darshan we also call it darshan is not something new but darshan of what darshan means observation observation of ourself observation of our surrounding then as you go deeper into the uh, the temple you have mirrors across so these mirrors are, are an understanding of darpan that means reflection that is reflect what you have observed then you are told to sit down for some time and pray to god which is nothing but your dhyan so your dhyan is your meditation so after observation reflection and dhyan the 3d formula you understand the subconscious mind you understand your true self and we uh, develop in that aspect then you know coming more deeper into that aspect now there is a broadly categorization of the vaishwaite sect and the shivaite sect so you have this concept of putting chandan on your forehead now chandan is basically formed by grinding the chandan until you get the paste out of it now this is symbolic of the karma yoga where you are grinding your you are doing your actions and the chandan is the fruit of your action then you put it on your forehead but you cannot see it instantly it takes time to dry same way our actions the fruit of our action takes time you cannot get the result immediately so it is the reminder to inculcate that patience that after you have done your karma wait for some time until you get the uh, fruit of your action now that is what the even the vaishnavite sects or the jainism talks about mainly then we come to the shivite sect they use the uh, vibhuti or the ash so basically they have a very different understanding and it's beautiful when uh, because they burn down uh, you know the ashes usually from uh, maybe uh, cow dung or uh, you know originally it was from the corpse so basically when the corpse is burned down the ashes rubbed across the body it is a it is a reminder of impermanence that is the body is not going to stay forever it is a reminder that your actions are not going to stay forever nothing remains change is the only constant it is that constant reminder of impermanence in uh, buddhism we have the philosophy of anitya that is uh, that everything changes there is nothing that is nitya there is nothing that uh, remains forever it's in a, the world is in a, uh, you know in a state of constant change so that was uh, you know beautiful reminder what the shivite sect uh, and many people even follow that was perceived by them that's why they don't even wear clothes at times because they realize that the body is not uh, permanent it's it's uh, it's going to change similarly many people use uh, your uh, kuku and uh, you know stuff like the red thing which is basically uh, usually found in the shakti sect it is mainly a reminder of fertility because he is the fertility god and red is symbol of blood so that's where creation happens and then you put chawal on that uh, your your rice which is basically a symbolic of your first harvest because harvest was very important we were we are from an agriculture driven economy still uh, you know 60% of uh, india still uh, is dependent on agriculture and uh, this was uh, you know the reminder of uh, that philosophy so you know with this you you see the karma yoga in the vaishwaite sect you see the gyan yoga in uh, the shivite sect and you see the bhakti yoga or the love or the fertility in the uh, shakti sect or the people who use the red uh, uh, kuku chawal there is no great power that you have is that what you're trying to tell everyone so basically a lot depends on the belief factor so our brain is uh, basically programmed so let's understand how beliefs are made first in order to get deeper into this topic so why do we create beliefs in the first place 
so we come from a, a clan of hunters and gatherers where our survival was of prime importance so if we want to survive in a community and procreate we need acceptance and that acceptance only comes if we have the same set of beliefs so if everyone says that uh, you know the say maybe the sun doesn't exist you have to believe that because if you because that tricks your mind to thinking that you need to procreate you need to get into this clan so you have to have this belief so that's how the initial stages of beliefs are uh, you know built in our, our mind and then what happens is that they become so strong that the brain will try to uh, you know put in uh, more of uh, you know facts to justify that this is the right belief and you know it's called cognitive dissonance so if there is some other belief that is contrary to you you will negate it so you know many people suffer from this when they say that uh, you know life is full of miseries so this is one kind of belief so what will happen is that if they are having a good time they'll always start looking at the negative side because that is the belief that they have created so once when we conquer over this belief which comes only through the gateway of the subconscious because the conscious has made the belief the conscious mind is uh, pre decided that you know this is how things work this is a steel spoon and you are no way close to bending it but your subconscious knows that you are the same matter this spoon is as much as madhusudan as uh, you know anything else and uh, the same uh, you know say jiva or you know as a philosophy uh, ancient mythology is told us kan kan me pran it exists everywhere so you know it's only about the awareness of and the understanding of that phenomena that uh, you know can liberate us and then you can call it enlightenment or you can call it nirvana or something like that would you like to decode reincarnation what is a spirit sure so uh, to get to the concept of spirit you know these things come from again from your ancient scriptures like obviously we were not uh, we didn't uh, discover it right because we don't see spirits so we this is some past belief that has been uh, you know uh, sent to our mind that you know there is something like a spirit or something like that so let me uh, tell you uh, the evolution of the yugas so the first yug was the satyug in that yug uh, you know apparent to uh, according to your timeline in that yug the good and the evil were to be in two different worlds you had the dev lok and the asur lok then you translated uh, then you moved to your uh, your treta yug when uh, the good and the bad came in the same world you had ram and you had ravan in the same world then we went to the dwapar yug where the good and the bad was in the same family you had the kauravas and the pandavas then we come to the kali yug where the good and the bad exist within us it is more of uh, the hell and the heaven the yin and the yang that is purely within us so as we move through the yugas we need new scriptures that we need to understand so now the concept of hell heaven the spirit coming going this has changed in this yug where that spirit is our self it is the consciousness that lies within us that is the spirit that is for this yuga because for you know it is it is not that uh, you know that the concepts change but it is more of how people are well in sync with understanding we have entered an age of science and technology where we have reached say mars and you know we are you know the uh, voyager mission is uh, across uh, the universe you know it is captured the milky way as well and never did we find heaven and hell and you know spirit suffering there or something like that because that heaven and hell exists in us the root chakra or the muladhara is basically your hell because that is 
the fiery hot lava which leads to impatience which is all about you know uh, fight or flight and uh, the aggression and as you move upwards you have the sarsadhara or the crown chakra which is about peace tranquility and uh, you know the, the more of the inner peace so the spirit or the consciousness lies between these two worlds and that is the real spirit that we are talking about then when we talk about you know the so called you know what happens then after we die and you know such questions might be obviously what is next so i have mentioned all this in my book as well it is basically uh, there's a simple philosophy of uh, the you know uh, it's a theory rather which so albert einstein when he explained that uh, law of conservation of energy where energy can neither be created nor destroyed it only changes forms so you move from one body to another that is the most logical explanation that can be given out at the same time there is a theory of relativity wherein at the uh, the quanta field uh, you know uh, time doesn't exist time only exists in this three dimensional reality so what is one minute for us is something else at at that realm so the the presence of spirit is basically the presence of consciousness the presence of your thoughts that you're uh, leaving in in this planet because your mind is nothing but a uh, you know like treated as a radio it can catch on frequencies it can catch on waves that are moving now in this room there are so many music that is being played but i cannot hear them but immediately when i put the radio and i adjust the frequency i can hear all the music similarly all this information all the so called you know whatever we have done we store it in in this uh, you know call it the indra's net as uh, you know many philosophies have talked about and it remains on this planet because our words create vibration which stays here forever and once we tap into this and that that's what is the purpose of automatic writing as well you tap into the higher consciousness and you start uh, begin to write uh, what uh, the message has been said what about numerology how can that affect my life you know or sure so uh, when we talk about numerology it's uh, primarily about uh, your words create vibrations so each letter has a certain vibration behind that for example uh, like if we talk about you like you himanshu so uh, <laughs> just to tell your name so himanshu basically what what does it mean what what uh, what thoughts does it get into the subconscious it gets the thoughts of himalaya being an ansh you are a ansh of himalaya now himalaya is the most courageous and the most stiff mountain of all times so you are that kind of person who might be very courageous and stiff having a strong opinion about something and uh, you know it's like uh, a mountain so that is the quality that you have inherited just because of that name so uh, you know that is the primary philosophy when you talk about numerology it's just that it has been uh, categorized into various fancy things these days and uh, people misuse it also but it is mainly based on what your words are creating vibrations and how they will impact the personality and how will that personality create a personal reality that is the future or the so called uh, uh, things so that was one aspect of uh, numerology uh then uh, and uh, then when we come to vastu shastra it is basically uh, it is not something new it is uh, pretty much mentioned in the vishvakarma prakash the person who uh, you know began with the vastu shastra it is based on the philosophy of gravity your north pole and your south pole basically uh, your brain is nothing but a connection you have iron in the body and uh, that gets attracted to your the poles of the earth and uh, various other things so according to that you know the walls uh the windows the the position of your sleeping and all these things uh 
you know have uh, an and significant impact on ourselves and uh, now when we uh, so that was about uh, vastu shastra now these are remedial measures that our ancestors have created if you're not having a problem in your life you were born this way it's absolutely fine you can continue with that which only when there is a disease there is a uh, you know you give a remedy or you do a surgery or do you cure and vastu numerology that is the cure would you like to give treatment or would you like to give prophylaxis so that you don't need a treatment would you like to cut the disease before it starts or would you like to what you mentioned is if you have a problem take the treatment i'm saying how can i would this help me avoiding a problem well definitely uh, so uh, you know when we say all these things uh, you know be it vastu be it astrology these things are applicable only to a person who is uh, you know say very much uh, dependent or you know he's not in sync with himself see you you look at a pet uh, or say an animal and you can predict the behavior of that animal because he is of a inferior intelligence as as we may call that you know now the dog if he give a food or you ring the bell the dog is going to come you tell the name the dog is going to come so this is a sign of inferior intelligence but when you move to higher consciousness or higher intelligence that was an inherent trait of human beings these things happen automatically you know in in uh, vastu shastra they use uh, certain remedies say a horse or say an elephant basically it is a symbolic of evoking the properties of that animal within you when you say about horse it's all about speed it's all about uh, you know uh, the, the courage to go ahead so these things impact the subconscious mind so uh, you know it's always in uh, touch with uh, the subconscious mind so if you have these principles ready in hand you don't require the treatment because this is more of a curative thing and uh, you know the preventive the or the the real cause is you you already are fine so you don't uh, you know you won't fall into a problem until you create a problem it is because it all comes from the mind right you create your reality so if if the mind is all clear then you know this you were born this way you're pure you're taintless so that is how beginning happened it, it never had anything until the mind created sankalpas the mind created the grudges the mind created ego and that's when the problem began and that needs to be cured with sevas to shastra with astrology with numerology and various other occult how do we have this interaction and how can we tap our subconscious a lot better so that i can increase my tele- telekinesis telepathy i can use my subconscious mind to get anywhere close to einstein a common man how can he progress himself further the so called technique is not about learning new ways and you know doing something like that it's more about unlearning you know the 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 societal mindset or you know uh, that what can i do or how i can make it happen will basically put you 100 steps behind because it is something that exists it is there so if you are saying i want to be happy or what can i do to be happy you are going in the wrong direction because you are already happy happiness is something that's lying within you you just need to have that awareness and acceptance that it is there you know it, it's just like uh, how can i uh, you know maybe uh, look at my heart or grow my heart your heart is something that is there inside you you just need to feel it you, you just need to be more conscious of its awareness that is uh, you know the crux of this if you are if you say so you mentioned something called shnu's 10 forms and brahma's stories of understanding mind and brain and shiva's form of life force energy would you like to expand something on that sure uh, so when we talk about uh, you know let, let's talk about like uh, brahma or the the mind 
So, you know, in Brahma's stories, I mentioned that in my book as well, that uh, there are certain references, you know, uh, you have the four heads, so which is basically your brain is divided into four parts. And uh, then you have like the Brahma Astra, which is uh, apparently the most powerful Astra. So your mind is actually the most powerful destructor of all times. You know, it just takes an idea to destroy anything. Secondly, when you say Brahma being the creator, it is more about creation uh, of uh, the mind that we talk about here. But uh, let us see what we can understand from this. So it's it's like, uh, you know, we, we don't worship Brahma because uh, in, in the mythologies also, they were very clear that uh, Brahma should not be worshipped because that is, uh, you know, the inherent quality of the conscious mind, which, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, say worshipped uh, will lead to your anger, pride, ego, you know, these false identities that we have created for ourselves. It is more about taking charge of uh, the, the, the mind. It's not about, you know, letting the mind control you as a whole. Just realize that, you know, in the morning when we try to wake up at, say, 6.30 a.m. And, uh, you know, the mind says only five minutes more and we end up at 8.30. So that is the, you know, once you give charge to the mind, it will take you for a ride and your meeting is gone or, and stuff like that. And everything follows after that. So it is of primary importance to have control over the, the mind and not let it uh, basically control you. In history, we have had amazing examples of people who did that. Uh, you know, very successful people like Chanakya, who, uh, you know, ended up conquering, uh, you know, all of India. So this was basically due to the power of the mind. Then we have the Mughals who basically had, uh, you know, uh, a ma mass reach, you know, after the Ashokan Empire, we just had Mughals doing, do that. So how did they do that? They have this concept of five, five days of namaz. Now namaz is basically a mixture of your meditation and yoga. You know, anyone who is in sync with that can conquer the world. And that's what the Mughals did. And in today's day, we have the tea seller become the prime minister of India. And the first thing that he did was make yoga an international day. So we, you know, the secret is out. It is all because of, you know, having that control of, uh, say, yoga and meditation. Can a person become a king? And, uh, you know, you don't need to be a king only, say, in the wealth perspective or uh, something like that to prove that you're successful. The king can be anywhere. The king can, you know, it's a vast kingdom to conquer without a kingdom. You know, the, the inner world is a uh, deeper and a much more brighter world that we need to conquer before we can achieve the outer world. So that was... Um, mainly about uh, uh, the, the mind aspect or the Brahma aspect. Now, when we come to the body, uh, you know, I've compared it with Vishnu, uh, mainly because we have the Dasha Avatar, which talks about the evolution of uh, the, the body. You know, it started with the Matsya Avatar, which is basically life began in the water. And then you had the Narsim Avatar, which is half human, half animal. And that's where uh, we were, you know, among, uh, you know, apes and humans. And then finally, uh, the various other forms of uh, Lord Vishnu. So that was about the body. But uh, when we come to uh, the cure, uh, the, uh, the core aspects of uh, the, the relevance of the body in today's uh, day and age and comparing it with the mythologies. See, uh, in terms of Ayurveda, uh, you know, whenever we have like the most deadly disease and the so-called doctors have given up on the body. So how do we cure it? So the main cure would lie in the radius of around 100 to 200 kilometers, the plants that were grown at the time you were conceived in, in that radius of 100 to 200 kilometers have the cure for your disease or your illness. I'll give an example from the ancient mythologies. 
when lakshman was dying in sri lanka hanuman was sent to uh, kailash you know in the himalayas and he, why 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 wasn't he sent to kerala kerala has a good enough it's you know it's the top uh, state in ayurveda and it has the most beautiful herbs but he was sent to kailash because ayodhya is in that radius you know that's where he was conceived that's where lakshman was conceived and sanjeevni booty had the cure for his illness so similarly uh, you know in today's day and age that is what ayurveda also you know uh, was is teaching us and our ancient uh, you know the ancestors were trying to convey the same message be it in the form of a story or something like that but you know there was a deeper message that we needed to understand than just you know keep them in our uh, a temple and start praying to them so that message of is of primary importance when it comes to the body and the vishnu aspect now when we move to the shiva or the soul aspect it is uh, basically about the life force energy and about uh, consciousness because uh, shiva is known to be the ultimate form of consciousness uh, you know he has the third eye he's always in meditation and he's silent he's a silent observer of everything and he's constantly chanting the sound of om as uh, you know be it internally or externally now as per the manduka upanishad uh, manduka basically means a frog so if you want to take a leap of faith in your life you know frog can survive in both water as well as land so you can survive in your inner world as well as the outer world so that was all about the manduka upanishad what it tries to teach us it talks about the concept of om so om is derived from the three letter that is a u ma and then silence so a uh, is basically the waking state that is you're talking we are there u is about the dream state where we think it's called the swapna m is about the dreamless state where you are a little but uh, you know you're not dreaming you're just calm and the silence is turiya which is a form of shiva is called turiya avastha it is basically the consciousness so if you want to have Uh, a tap into the subconscious mind that is the topic of the day we need to inculcate more of silence so a u m the and the silence is of prime importance uh, when we talk about uh, the soul or the subconscious and any such things of that matter and uh, so now since we have come to the topic of uh, consciousness as well uh, there are broadly four types of consciousness that all of us operate in when it comes to uh, uh you know the mind this is how it operates so the first one is that life happens uh to me so this is a like a very hyper victim mode where we say that you know consequences around me are happening to me and uh, you know only something or someone outside me can save so you know that that's a very ego driven and an escapist form of consciousness so now this is basically a litmus test to understand where your subconscious is so you know i'm just trying to uh, uh, you know chalk down the four consciousness levels then as you move to the next level of consciousness it talks about life happens by me so it is more of uh, the creative visualization where you have taken control over life and you feel that i control everything i am the karma yogi i am doing uh, everything that needs to be done and that that's all that life is all about then the third level of consciousness is uh, life happens through me so these people believe that uh, there is some higher purpose that they were born for and their purpose is to serve that uh, higher purpose and accomplish that goal so that is the third level of consciousness and when finally we come to the fourth level of consciousness it is life happens as me or i am life when you have 
the advaita bhav as per adi shankaracharya where there is non separation between the the person and the life or the travel and the traveler there's complete oneness between the two we have reached the ultimate state of the subconscious mind or say the consciousness which is uh, you know uh, is you know is what we truly were but we have you know just fallen down the steps and uh, come to various beliefs and understandings which were not meant to be uh, as such just expand a little more on the kurukshetra and the krishna avatar the virat swarup that you like talking about that's a wonderful explanation that you would like to hear about sure so um, you know the bhagavad gita basically is the battle of our life now arjuna is basically our mind as we call it or see uh, he's in the battle he is just us a person who got depression in middle of the battle we all have low phases right we all get into depression and in case of arjun it was the same thing he got depressed started started seeing his family's relatives started contemplating on life because that was the time when he realized that you know what next and that that is the time uh, krishna told him that uh, you know about the whole gita and he made him uh, uh, tell him that uh, you know you need uh, divya drishti that is what exactly i mentioned in the beginning as well that we need the realize to realize our true self so he the krishna gave him the divya drishti or the realize that could made uh, him understand the the virat swarup now the virat swarup is basically a form of consciousness illuminating and telling the mind that this is what i have acquired this is the knowledge that i have learned from uh, the the mere observation or say the lifetimes that i have uh, been through and this gyan is what you you must take at this very juncture of your life so that was a representation to make us understand that the, the subconscious can be accessed through the realize that is uh, you know our third eye or observation and that's when we'll have a deeper understanding of the so called virat swarup but let's not forget you know when after the gita was completed in uh, chapter 10 uh, i think verse 42 krishna has specifically mentioned that Arjuna what is the need for all this knowledge why, why you know what are you going to do with all this knowledge you know you're in the middle of the battlefield and you are acquiring so much knowledge which if you don't put to use will go down to the drain you know we stuff our mind with so much excessive knowledge that is of uh, practically if you are not applying it it is uh, next to it not existing at all so uh, that that was the same argument that was put by krishna and then finally he said just remember That is, that just understand that the one fragment that is me is present in every being. It is present everywhere. That is the concept of Advaita or the that the philosophy that all is one. We are one. You know the spoon experiment that we saw uh, prior to this was uh, understanding of that oneness of uh, you know uh, interconnectedness and removing ourselves from that ego-driven I and the identity. that i am a doctor i am a lawyer and uh, etc i would like to ask you what about tarot cards it's a very interesting reading of the science that is there never understood that cards could give my destiny so uh, okay the tarot cards are basically are deck of uh, say 78 cards and when we put in uh, in uh, in the combination it gives out a trillion possibilities uh, of uh, outcomes so these 78 cards are nothing but the 78 emotions that we face in our lifetime and what emotion comes where is decided with our subconscious or, or the so called shuffling because the universe operates on the frequency of randomness 
there is shuffling that is happening in the universe as well you know uh, the thoughts that are coming to you are coming at random you know today you were thinking about the time now after say a moment you'll think about something else so there is a lot of randomness that is going inside tarot cards project that randomness on the outside they shuffle the emotions that are uh, you know there and once when you start picking up the card that is the conscious choice that will be made by your mind to what emotion comes next what emotion comes next and by reading those emotions we can understand how life is going to be and so that's why i say that whenever i do a tarot reading i tell them that this is not inscribed in stone this is how your mind is operating currently now learn from it and work towards it so that you can alter your uh, destiny accordingly if you don't like it and you know just be in the same frequency if it's all good so the talk was so self illuminating that we don't have many questions left behind but right i think we have had a lot of lot of encouragement to understand how we can dwell into the subconscious the understanding of krishna brahma vishnu mahesh i think brilliant understanding i'm i'm very impressed that such a young age you have phenomenal education knowledge i don't know how much of this you have read or how much has it been just thrust upon you so you have all the shakespearean qualities in you born great achieved greatness greatness thrust upon you so i think that brilliant is absolute pleasure to have him here over to you devin thank you thank you so much. thank you so much. thank you for being with us wonderful we are absolutely impressed by your flawless understanding of the subject and taking every question head on and giving them a wonderful explanation absolute clarity of thought it was brilliant thanks very much for your time